the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's our final look at the book of Hebrews, coming up today on Truth For Today. We're back in Chapter 12, Divine Encouragement to Run the Race. Stick around and be encouraged. In our journey through the book of Hebrews, we have learned an awful lot. and We've been encouraged, challenged, convicted. But as we conclude our look at Hebrews, we do so in chapter 12 rather than 13. You see, it's there that we have this divine encouragement to run the race. Faint not, continue on, press on. It is how we want to close out this look at Hebrews, giving you that last bit of encouragement to press on. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, let's catch up with Pastor Phil Howard in today's broadcast of Truth For Today. 1 Corinthians 1.30, Christ is your sanctification. Christ. So that's settled. So it can't be this kind of righteousness. That's not what he's saying. He said, this is something you pursue. You don't pursue this. This happened to you the moment you were saved. Pursue holiness Without it, you won't see God. Well, what is it? Then there's practical holiness. We call it progressive uh, conformity to Christ, becoming more and more. You're in process of becoming like Christ, in process of breaking from sin, old habits, old attitudes, all of that. And you're in process of becoming more and more like Christ. I believe that's what he's saying. Now, there's ultimate sanctification that when you see Christ, you will be like him. That's completed. That's done. So we're in the in-between. I've been sanctified. I will be. But in the meantime, if I'm not pursuing holiness, I won't see God. You say, well, that sounds legalistic. Figure it out. You see, the born-again people... They begin to practice righteousness. First John 2.29, we know him who has been born again because he practices righteousness. First John 2.29, First John 3.6-9, he that is born of God does not continue to practice sin, for he cannot, for God's seed remains in him. Are you still sleeping with your girlfriend? You don't know God. No, you're, you're lost. Well, I I received Christ when I was 10. It didn't take. It didn't take. You know, you can be exposed and not get pregnant. Didn't take. I went to the altar four to five times before I was ever saved. My first time at the altar, I must have been seven years old. Uh, The next time, maybe eight. Man, we were in emotional, evangelistic kind of meetings as I grew up. I went to the altar a lot of times. I wept. I prayed. But I wasn't born again. I can't explain it. 
But I, I was sincere. The altar call was made. The songs were sung. I went forward to get saved. It did not take. I was back to sin within a week. Within a week. I hear these people say, well, I, I, I accepted Jesus when I was 10. And they've lived like hell ever since. You, you're not going to heaven. You're not going to heaven. You're deceived. Raising your hand in junior church doesn't save you. Coming to an altar doesn't save you. Saying you're saved doesn't save you. When has a new nature kicked in and you got new appetites, a new appreciation of the adoration found in Jesus, uh, no longer can be fulfilled by the old cisterns you drank from that were poisoned by this world. When has sin, you had enough of sin. You see, a starving man, anything looks good. But Jesus said, I'm the manna from heaven. And if you eat of this bread, you'll never hunger again. I'm the water from heaven. If you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. How can I keep thirsting for the sewer of this world and be saying, I'm feeding on the manna from a bountiful supply? Who are you feeding on? I like my sin more than Jesus. You're going where sinners go. You do not know God. You do not know God. I don't care how many times you've come forward until a new nature kicks in. And you say, that's what we ask people around here. Not just when you say you got saved. We ask the second question. When did God start changing your life? And you'll and you get two dates with a lot of people. Well, I took him as my Savior at nine. I lived like the devil for ten years, and then I really got saved. No, you were touched, but you weren't changed. I've been touched many times. You can be touched, touched, but not changed. And he says, unless you have this holiness, love of God... You will not see God. He didn't say you had to be perfect. You got to be pursuing it. This is practical holiness. I, I want to do the right. You know, it, it's the illustration of the hog and the sheep. They both can fall in the hog pen, but guess what? The hog said, Yippee, I found home. The sheep can say, I'm in the wrong place. I may not even know how to get out of it because I need a shepherd to get me out. But I'm not at home in this mud. And you could spray perfume on a hog all day. He's still going to wallow. Spray all the religion you want. Oh, I'm a Presbyterian brand of cologne. Well, I'm Baptist. You're still lost. You're still a hog. Because wearing all your religious perfume won't make you different. You've got to be born again, born again. That's what made the Wesleys and the Whitfields turn England upside down. That's why the Church of England hated them. Because while they were at Oxford, they were in the Oxford movement. They prayed every morning at five. They slept on plywood. They fasted twice a week. They kept trying to do enough good works to make it to heaven. And they finally saw all of them. 
George Whitfield, both the Wesleys, they all found out were unsaved. John Wesley came to Georgia, came to the United States to be a missionary, and all the time he was a missionary, he was unsaved, going to hell, missionary. He didn't know God. Do you know God? I mean, do you? Don't lie to me. Don't lie to yourself. And there's another question I'll ask. Does God, does God know you? Because he tells a bunch of people, I never knew you. You did all kinds of religious activity. You cast out demons. You called on my name. You went through all the religious rigmarole. And there's one crowd that said, you must be saved. You must be saved. And they said, Lord, you've got to let us in. We've been operating in your name. He said, I know, but I don't know you. He said, when the Antichrist comes, the world will wonder after him because he can perform more miracles and more great things that will make your head spin and the world wonders after the beast. Have you met Jesus? Has holiness become a way of your life? I had a man tell me a few weeks back when he first got saved, he said a man came to, up to him in church, and while he stood next to him, he said, you know what, I have the roughest time going to church. And he said, how's that? He said, well, I'm always undressing the women in my mind when I'm trying to worship. My friend turned to him, he said, you know what your problem is? You haven't been saved. You don't know Christ. You got a dirty, perverted mind. You need to go to the altar tonight and get saved. You just can't get away from porno? You can if you know him. I said you can if you know him. You can if you know him. I just got to quit discussing. Oh, you can't? I guess God didn't give you the Holy Spirit. See, God's giving you his word. He's giving you his Holy Spirit. And he's giving you a new nature. Now, without those, you couldn't be holy. But you got the Holy Spirit living in you. He's our power, is he not? Our dad used to say, I cuss all I want. I drink all I want. Not cheat all I want. But God took care of the want to. He took care of the want to. I don't want to cuss. I don't want to drink. I want to please God. I want to. I may fail, but I want to do the right. I'm on my way. I'm in process. Are you? If you're not, you won't see God. That's what he's telling them. That's what he's telling us. In make-believe, phony Christianity in America, we're no, we can't tell who's saved and who's not because everybody's got it. No, they don't. And it's like this. Let us track you for a week. And will we see any Jesus in you? I remember being at a restaurant and being irritable with the waitress and, and doing this and kind of demanding. And by the time I cooled down, Carolyn said, it would sure be nice if they could see Jesus in you. She said, I didn't see any of the fruit of the Spirit in that display. There wasn't. It was all flesh. I sinned. I was wrong. Then he said, help those people that are failing to find the grace of God. He said, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. And what he's talking about, people in the assembly that have not come to Christ yet, they've not yet 
entered the grace of God. And he said, be on the lookout for them. They're in your midst. They've never really accepted Christ yet. They're wanting to go back to Judaism. They're wanting to go back. They're going to bail out of the race. They're going to go back. He said, watch out. Be on the lookout. Evangelize them. Help them. They, They want to go back. And then he starts illustrating what these people are like. Let there be no root of bitterness spring up among you and come and trouble many, and by it many become defiled. He's quoting Deuteronomy 29:18, when Israel turned to other idols, he used this phrase, they become like a bitter, poisonous plant among the nation of Israel. They become ungodly, they become idolaters, and he said, I'm warning you, don't let these people who've not been saved, who are thinking about going back, don't let them poison the assembly. Don't let them poison others to go back. No, no, Jesus isn't the best. He's not the one. They want to go back. He said, don't, don't, don't let them poison you. He keeps on going. He said, uh, and watch out for those who are being sexually immoral among you. Be careful of those who are unholy like Esau. And here's the emphasis. Get this. Here's the emphasis. Who sowed his birthright. Okay. What was the bargaining price? For one meal. One single meal. You get it? He would have been in the messianic line. It would have been the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau, but he sold the privilege for one 15-minute bowl of soup. He sold the privilege of being a firstborn son, and the word there, don't be profane, it means no regard for God. It meant nothing to him. I've been out hunting. I come home hungry. Jacob is fixing a pot of stew, most likely lentil soup. And he said, right now, I need an immediate fix. I need a 15-minute relief of something temporal, and I will trade off something that makes me a part of an eternal plan. I will give up the right of the firstborn son for a bowl of soup. And he's telling these runners, he's telling these children that are fatigued, wore out, being tempted to go back. Do not sell the privilege of being a follower of Christ for one temporal pleasure and sell your birthright. All of life is a series of trades. Just think of it. Adam for the bite of one forbidden piece of fruit, traded paradise and was exiled from the garden. And man has been exiled ever since. That's why the new Jerusalem looks good. It's the first time we get paradise back since Adam took the fruit. Judas, you got your silver. But you gave up your Savior. 
You saw the dead raised. You saw the multitudes fed. You saw the lepers heal. And you, in one night, could sell out the Son of God. And as my black preacher friend Smith says, you got what you wanted, but you lost what you had. You got your bowl of soup, Esau, but you lost your inheritance. And he's saying, I'm warning you. Some, and the word for falling short of the grace of God, it's a Greek word. I looked it up. I I was curious, why did they miss the grace of God? And here is what Arndt and Gingrich in their lexicon said. The word husteron means to miss out on something as one's own fault. Come too late through one's own fault. It's like you missed the train ride because you didn't show up one time. It's your fault. And they're missing on the grace of God because it's their fault. It's being presented. It's being preached. When will you enter the grace of God? What will it take? I had someone recently tell me, Pastor, if you just knew how to close the, the sermon, your sermons are so wonderful, but you just don't know how to close them. They meant well. They did. And said, you just don't know how to do that clencher. And I said, you're right. I never have. But is preaching Christ enough for the clencher? Or is there a little secret I got to learn? A little, the Billy Graham twist maybe. Really. Because I've evangelized seven years and I got tired of getting my wife saved every night. I couldn't get anyone to come forward. So she had to come every night, you know. Make me look good. I don't know how to close. I only know how to preach Christ. And I'm waiting. Why will you miss the grace of God and go to hell? Why will you trade your soul for a pot of soup? I never forget a man that I admired. A man with great influence. Large church. I went to some of his seminars and uh, just... Had, had great respect, an outstanding man in so many ways, so many ways. And uh, he lost the church through immorality and being unfaithful to his wife. And I, I was so shocked and scared. Uh, I met him for lunch. I said, I, I, I'm brokenhearted about your situation. I'm broken. You're a man of great reputation. You're a man of a large church. You're a man of, uh, I've gone to your seminars. Uh, Man, you're a leader of leaders. We don't need to lose another preacher. Why did you do it? I was watching you. I was admiring you. I was attending your seminars. He just bowed his head at lunch and he said, Son, I made a trade of a 21-year ministry in a large church for a bowl of soup. I did in 20 minutes what I never dreamed I could do. I just traded my ministry, my influence. Thank God my dear wife has stayed with me. I don't know why. 
but I made a terrible trade. And he's saying to these believers, don't be like Esau. Don't fling away this privilege of knowing Christ. Don't throw away this privilege of entering into the grace of God and saying, uh, I want a little bit of sex, a little bit of drugs, a little bit of porno, a little bit of lying, cheating, whatever your sin is, a little bit of Judaism, a little bit of going back and being accepted in my name. It's costing me too much to know Christ. I can't take it. I'm wore out. I want to go back. And he said, don't sell out for a bowl of soup. To have Jesus would be worth any price you ever are called to pay. Don't trade him away. Don't miss, don't miss the grace of God. One of the stupid things I did as a boy, we used to play with those little plastic soldier men in the projects. We were all World War II, you know, Richmond's a World War II town. I lived in World War II housing and always played with these little plastic soldiers. And one day we wanted to trade some soldier men. I don't know what came over me, how I did it. I went home and found a knife that one of my uncles had used when he fought in World War II in the Pacific Theater. Brought it home as a keepsake. I used that knife to trade for some plastic soldiers. A family heirloom from an uncle that survived the Pacific Theater. A stupid little kid got ten more toy soldiers made of plastic. And that's what I see our young people and many in church doing. They're selling out holiness, selling out peace, selling out helping, and they're failing to enter the grace of God. And a bowl of soup is all they've got. And they've already eaten it, and now they're hungry again. For none of the soup kitchens of this world can quench your eternal hunger. Only Christ. Only Christ. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to remember. Carolyn put her offering on the Bible later. We're giving help to anyone that I announce. You feel led. We're going to try to help these young people, people in the choir that are raising money. They want to go. If you can help them, do it. Don't pour all your money in bowls of soup. Why don't you put some into the kingdom? Our Father, we thank you. You didn't give us a bowl of soup. You gave us Jesus. You gave us the bread from heaven the river of life that flows within, the drink that you said you'll never thirst again. I thank you I'm no longer having to drink from the cesspools of this world, but I'm drinking from a source above. Help us to quit trading away the good for the garbage, for the temporal. Let us not give up things eternal for a bowl of soup. Save, save, be the evangelist for someone here today. You, Lord, convince them to open their heart now and take Christ before they lose everything and die without the grace of God. Please do this for them. 
In Jesus' name, amen. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time today spent in God's Word to encourage you to bring you truth for today. If you have questions or comments about our time together, we would invite you to write to us. You can either visit our website and drop us an email, write to us via U.S. mail, or give us a call. Another way to reach out to us with your questions would be to simply record them on your voice memo app on your smartphone and then email that audio to tftquestions at valleybible.org. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Our website, truthfortodayradio.org. And if you're writing to us, the address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. If you have questions about the ministry of Truth For Today and how we are funded to air on this radio station. We would love to talk with you. We are listener-supported, quite simply, and no gift is too small, no gift is too large. Whether it's a one-time gift or a monthly gift, it all goes back into the radio ministry, ensuring that it airs on this radio station. So would you consider that as you reach out to us here at Truth For Today? One other note as we close out our time together today, if this broadcast and this ministry encourages you in your walk with Christ, and you happen to be looking for a church that does just that, we would invite you to contact valleybible.org. Pastor Phil is Pastor Emeritus at Valley Bible Church in Hercules, and while he is no longer in the pulpit, we are still very much a part of this church body. And we would invite you to come and join us for worship. For more information, again, valleybible.org or call 855-833-9864. And then we invite you to come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Blessed be the name.